What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Weighing In with Worm. I'm your host, Worm Buffelli, and I just want to thank you for joining me. Before we get started, are you looking to upgrade your mower? Are you needing a new snowblower for the upcoming wrestling season? If you are, go no further than Raider Outdoor Power, located at 2580 Rockdale Road. The good folks at Raiders will make sure you are set up for the season and get your lawn looking like a pro-level golf course or to get that snow off your driveway fast and get you on your way. Stop out at Raiders today. Coaches, are you looking for new warm-ups for your team? A fan shop? Something local and high quality? Don't waste any more time and email Jeremy at X-Grain Sportswear. Located in Piasta, Iowa, Jeremy will make sure you have custom mock-ups done fast and high quality at a fraction of the price of the leading brands. Email Jeremy at x-grain.com today and let's make your mark. The running joke in wrestling is look good, feel good, wrestle good. And if you want to look good, stop and see my friend Anna at King's Cuts by Anna. Located in Dubuque, she is one of the best barbers in all around. She'll get you cleaned up, lined up, whatever you need to make sure you're feeling good, looking good, so you can wrestle good. Download the Booksy app today, search for King's Cuts by Anna, and schedule your appointment today. Tell her Jeremy sent you. Are you looking to restore rusty old metal parts to like new conditions or protect brand new components with durable, attractive, long-lasting finishes? Lane's Custom Steel, located in Benton, Wisconsin, can help with the metal finishings and metal coatings, offering a full range of custom metal restoration using power coating for individuals and businesses. Contact Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's lanes, L-A-N-E-Z, customsteel at gmail.com. Let's get this podcast rolling. All right, welcome back. Today we're interviewing Aaron Costello. Aaron was a three-time state qualifier for West Dubuque, was a state champ in 2017, state runner-up in 2016, holds school records for most consecutive wins at 53 and most pins in a season at 44, placed sixth at Junior Nationals in Greco in 2016, and was a two-time runner-up at Folk Style Nationals. He wrestled at the prestigious University of Iowa under Tom and Terry Brands, had a career record of 39-12, and 12, and was a four-time big or all Big Ten academic uh, scholar. Currently, he's coaching at Loris College and also running Costello Cattle. Aaron, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Excited to kind of chat wrestling, and, you know, I'm glad somebody took the jump and, you know, kind of got the area um, more exposure, and I think it's going to be really good. I mean, can't find a more knowledgeable or passionate person to run it, so I'm excited for the growth of this podcast and all the people you can bring on and insights you can get. Awesome. Great plug there. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, so let's just get started. When did you get started in wrestling? So my dad wrestled college at Loris. Um, so, you know, I kind of grew up around it, um, you know, probably started four or five years old, um, just in various kids clubs around Dubuque and, um, you know, went to tournaments, did the whole practice deal, um, had a fair amount of success as a kid, nothing crazy, you know, was always qualifying for state and always kind of coming up short. Um, you know, middle school kind of took a little bit of a break from wrestling and kind of explored some other things. And, um, once I hit freshman year and got into the West Buke program, um, you know, Paul Cleary was, is the coach out there and kind of took his guidance and, um, ran with it. You know, my dad was always willing to take me to whatever I wanted and the passion didn't really get lit until, um, I was a freshman in high school and then, you know, kind of went from there. Well, you, you just brought up your dad. Your dad wasn't just a, a normal wrestler. He was a two-time All-American and NCAA finalist. He, he lost to John McGovern. and I mean, Well, let's just not talk about that. I, I, know, I know Leo's listening to this <laughs> maybe, right now. Maybe a little deeper into the podcast. Yeah. We'll bring that up. So 
was your dad pretty was he pushing you pretty hard in wrestling or was it just something like because i remember you growing up i mean as long as i can remember being around loris wrestling you were right next to him at every wrestling meet but it was never like your dad was driving you to, to hell and back to get to a tournament but was he pushing you hard or was it just all part of some master plan yeah i mean i think it i think it was 50 50 whether he cared if i wrestled or he didn't care if i wrestled um, you know, I think my parents did a good job giving me exposure. Um, he would take me to all the, you know, Loris Open, Flash Flanagan Open to, you know, watch guys. I mean, when I was a kid, you were wrestling and just to get to be around those college guys. And um, he was pretty close to the Loris program then. And, you know, he'd take me and I'd be Matt side getting autographs from the Loris wrestlers or the Iowa wrestlers. But as a kid, he would take me to tournaments if I wanted. He'd let me carpool with my buddies. Um, he was never the never the kind of coach or dad that, you know, was screaming at me if I lost or, you know, he would check my attitude if I had attitude, but, um, he wasn't really pushy. And then once I got into high school, he kind of let me do my own thing and college let me do my own thing. And, um, it was a good balance of exposing me to the sport, but not anything pushy to burn me out or anything like that. Right on. So you went to high school you went to West Dubuque, you wrestled for Paul Cleary as a freshman, you were JV. Yep. Who are you behind there? Um, Dylan Hayfler. Okay. I think he was blood round or might have snuck on the podium that year. Um, yeah, that was a really good year. Got to wrestle a lot with like Braden Burt. Um, another one of my teammates, Max Lyon, was on varsity at that point. And, you know, we kind of Max, watched Max. Um, he got fourth as a freshman. And, you know, I think that's really where me and Braden kind of kick started our, you know, passion for wrestling. And, you know, as the, as the years went on, we got more and more of our teammates on board. And, you know, by our senior year, we had a really good team. Yeah, so, so moving to your sophomore year, you know, JV, you know, JV conference champ, you, you ran through the JV gauntlet. Your sophomore year, you qualified for the state tournament, first year down there, losing the blood round. Um, you know, do you want to talk about that sophomore year? Did you think that there were some gains being made, or was it just like, hey, I was just good for the weight at the time? Yeah, I think I didn't really, you know, really dial in on wrestling um, until that sophomore year began and I was kind of the best of the rest in the room and, um, you know, got my chance on varsity and, um, you know, I didn't have a very good record that year. I was probably like 13 and eight. Uh, I tore my shoulder right at Christmas break and I had to take some time off and got back before districts and, you know, just the luck of the draw, I didn't have a necessarily tough district. Um, so I was able to sneak in and, you know, that's kind of where my eyes got really open down there at Wells Fargo um, about the different levels of wrestling within the state. And, you know, at that time, I wasn't even sure what the national scene was and that there was a national scene. Um, it was just state tournament was the pinnacle. And um, after that sophomore year, I think my my fire really got lit. And I think from there, the pro- progressions and strides really started. Yeah, I remember I was just looking at your your bracket at track and a name came up that I kind of completely forgot about. I immediately started laughing as soon as I saw it. Ad Edwards. Yeah. From Des Moines North. I just remember sitting in the hotel room and he's interviewing. He's like, that kid was as big as my neighbor. He was, he was just this big, funny guy out of Des Moines North. And for some reason, that interview, like, we were all just laughing about it. But um, before we get into your junior year, you had two big rivals. You had Ty- your junior year. You had Tyler Clark from Clinton and you had Gannon Gremmel. Tyler Clark beat you at the Dubuque invite, but... At some point that year, something clicked where you just passed, passed him. He was ranked, like, what, second in the country, or say, at the time? Yep. 
And so explain those gains. Was it just got beat by him one time? You're like, no, I can bang with him. Or it was, no, this is all part of a bigger plan of me beating him to get, to get what I want. Yeah. So coming into my junior year, I had, you know, wrestled the freestyle circuit and um, I had wrestled a lot of the guys in that weight class and a couple of the top guys like Marlon and from Southeast Polk had graduated. So Gannon bumped up from 220 that year and I, you know, he was, he was kind of the target everybody wanted, but it was kind of a pack behind him chasing him. And uh, Tyler was probably at the front of that pack and I kind of molded myself somewhere in that two to six range. So I knew I kind of had to beat the best of the rest. And then, you know, Gannon was a hill I wanted to climb, but uh, yeah, it started with Tyler, Dubuque invite. Um, you know, most of the matches growing up, I'd wrestled them since I was a kid, just we were the biggest guys and, you know, we hit at a lot of tournaments. Um, I lost on a hands of the face call right at the end of the match, two to one. And uh, it was at senior. And I remember Cleary talking to me afterwards and he's like, well, that rivalry is no more. I mean, you flipped the script on him and, you know, I could just, I could just tell the momentum of our rivalry after that match, um, you know, starting to turn. Later that year, I, you know, beat him in the ultimate rideouts. Um, had a couple close matches with him at state. He tried to suicide cradle me, and I caught him on his back and pinned him, which kind of propelled my run to the finals against Gremmel. Um, Yeah, I would say the junior year was a big Tyler Clark year, um, just kind of conquering that hurdle. And then, yeah, Gannon. Yeah, there's not a lot to say about Gannon. Uh, I hope to have him on the podcast here soon. You know, great athlete, All-American at Iowa State. You guys ended up meeting in the finals at Dubuque County Finals State. I mean, that crowd was loud. The crowd was heavy. Gannon got the better of you that one, but I think he, you know, not taking anything away from you, I think he was trying to prove a point about, you know, getting that state title that was hiding from him for the last couple of years. So he let all, everything go in that match. So nothing against you. I just think that, you know, I think the the experience and, you know, I think there was a lot to him that match. But that's here nor there moving forward. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about your senior year here in a second, but here's a quick break from our ads. With wrestling and all other sports, injuries happen, but have you ever considered an all-natural way to aid in those injuries? Lori Gravel from Happiness on the Hill can help you get the products you need to get over those pains in an all-natural way. Lori owns and operates her own hops farm in Otta Creek, Iowa. The hops she picks are then made into medicinal products. These medicinal products, like the Hopped Up Oil or the Hoppy Bod Deep Muscle Rub, can help with nerve pain, muscle pain, joint pain, arthritis pain, headaches, migraines, bone-on-bone pains, and so many more. So give Lori a call today at 563-590-2277 and tell her where I'm sent you. She'll give you a 10% discount off your first order. There's a reason powder coating has such a great reputation for strength, durability, and beauty. It can transform metal surfaces into long-lasting finishes, able to withstand heavy use and harsh environmental conditions. At Lane's Custom Steel, they have been offering custom powder coating solutions to businesses and individuals since 2019. Their skilled team of professionals are dedicated to providing you high-quality finishes that will last you for many years. Contact Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's L-A-N-E-Z, steel at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we're back with Aaron. We just talked about your second place finish at the state tournament. If I'm going to go off uh, something I talked with Braden about last week in the podcast. Um, that summer, it was like the week after the state tournament, you guys are not Corn Cop Nationals. And then you were at war at west gym and pretty much every freestyle tournament you guys could think of you guys even started a group called the basement boys 
you want to talk about that? Braden did a really good job of talking about it, but what was your experience with the basement boys? Yeah, I would say after that junior year, we kind of, you know, Max was doing his thing. He had a lot of success. Um, you know, he won it as a junior, got second as a sophomore, and that fourth place finished as freshman. And, you know, I think me and Braden that year kind of realized that, you know, we could get to that level, but it's going to take, you know, months and months of stacking bricks to get there. And, you know, basement boys just kind of happened. Um, it basically started with going years back, uh, Ryan Burt, his dad, coach at Milliken, and his older brother, Tristan, who won state at Wallert. You know, when I was a eighth grade and freshman year, um, you know, I'd, I wasn't fully into wrestling yet, but Ryan kind of grabbed me and mentored me and said, you know, if this is what you want to do, um, you know, train with Tristan and Tristan trained hard. Um, we went to the rec center in Piasta three times a week, 6am, you know, just doing lifting and stuff that I didn't know at the time was going to translate. I just thought, you know, it's going to help me somewhere. Um, and that kind of laid the foundation in the relationship with Ryan and the Burt family. And then, you know, Braden and me were at the same class at West Dubuque and, you know, we instantly bonded over wrestling and, so the basement boys, uh, they the Burts lived in Epworth, and they just had a basement. And Ryan, you know, avid wrestling coach, he was coaching at Loris at the time. Uh, he threw down a mat in his basement, and he said, "If we're gonna get good, you don't got to drive a hundred miles to all these RTCs. You know, you can come in here and wrestle me." So, I started wrestling Ryan all the time, and you know, it was kind of kind of like the Dubuque Wrestling Club, but we could do it right in his basement. You know, Dubuque Wrestling Club, all these RTCs, they got a really good thing going, getting kids involved, getting high school kids involved, taking them to tournaments. But, you know, Ryan just said, we can do this at any hour of the day. You know, whether it's 9 p.m. at night, 5 in the morning, um, he was always willing to give his time and his energy. And, yeah, we just started Basement Boys. Uh, we taglined it at a bunch of wrestling tournaments. And, you know, we'd wrestle all hours of the day. You know, Braden Burt, Jackson Healy, Close, me, you know, anybody, anybody that wanted to come, we'd play games in the basement. We'd rough up the walls. We'd wrestle. And, you know, Ryan Burt basically told me after that junior year that if you're serious, um, you know, about wrestling potentially at the next level, uh, which my mind hadn't even gone to, that you got to be able to hand fight and you got to be able to stay in there. So we spent a lot of time, you know, um, very grateful for him for what he did for me. But we just spent a lot of time working the fundamentals and, you know, really keening in on the things you got to do at that weight. Well, I definitely, I mean, it definitely showed because not only that summer you qualified for Fargo in b both styles, junior and senior or yep. junior year, but it was Greco. You showed up and took sixth. How was Fargo for you that year? Yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. You know, a lot of, a lot of people that junior year start getting recruited and, um, you know, getting second in Iowa exposes you to a lot of different opportunities. But, um, you know, I think college coaches kind of viewed it as, Gannon was the premier heavyweight and the rest are kind of, you know, see what, see where they develop. Um, so I wasn't getting a lot of recruiting looks and, you know, after a couple conversations, I'm like probably not big enough to play football in college. So my mind kind of shifted to wrestling and, you know, through that freestyle circuit, um, I started kind of establishing myself, um, in the state a little bit, wrestling guys like Isley and Gremmel and, you know, looking at them being in the finals of Fargo in years and winning Fargo, um, kind of propelled me to have an interest and you know I went down there and wrestled both styles and it's a grind you know but if you want to be at that top level you got to be able to do stuff like that and you know I fell in the bracket won a couple of matches and you know got six there in Greco and I think I might have been a blood rounder or a match away in freestyle and um, 
yeah, I mean, we didn't train much Greco, but you know, all the hand fighting and all the positions, um, you know, all three styles, you know, benefit from the cores of wrestling. So yeah, that was a great experience. And I think it really catapulted me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly did. Cause they brought a lot of eyes to you. Obviously Loris was really hard on recruiting you, but then you got a call from Tom and Terry brands. Was that a phone call you did not expect? Yeah. I mean, I had been, you know, plugged in with Morningstar as a coach and, you know, team Iowa and Kittleson was at Loris at the time. And, you know, I really, really appreciate what Loris did for me, obviously being close. Um, you know, they gave me unlimited access and unlimited opportunities to wrestle their college guys. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of opportunities were opened through Loris. And, you know, as I started talking to Iowa and, you know, the vision that I put, put in my head of what, I wanted my wrestling career to go to, um, you know, I was just drawn towards, uh, the values of Iowa and, you know, it's as a kid, you grow up dreaming of it. And, you know, I felt that could be the best place for me to succeed. You know, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's every kid that's ever wrestled in the state of Iowa's dream is at some point to get recruited by Iowa. But, you know, Tom and Terry showed up to your house. They recruited you like you were a top guy and you were going to, you are the guy for them. And then, so you committed to Iowa beginning of the year right yep before the senior year right yep october of my senior year okay so that got your recruiting out of the way your senior year probably the most dominant heavyweight year i've seen in a long time you had 56 consecutive wins 44 pins your senior year something like that i mean so i mean the the the, in the way of the guys that you had too were, was something crazy. I mean, I'll even talk about, you know, one tournament in particular, the Cascade Invite. You know, Cascade, Iowa, my hometown, 2,000 people, Class 1A tournament, had all three state champs, future state champs in the same bracket. Talk about that tournament, man. Yeah, that was a fun day. Um, you know, I had wrestled Wurfs before, and I would wrestled Brinkman, um, Wurfs from Mount Vernon and Brinkman from Iowa City, Regina. Um, I'd wrestled Worfs a couple times, and I wrestled Brinkman um, in the finals of Corn Cobb the year before, and um, I won a really tight match, and, you know, he was the champ in 1A, and, you know, I think that's kind of what catapulted um, a lot of that freestyle wanting to do it was going to those tournaments and, you know, beating some of those lower class high placers, and, um, you know, I hadn't found the success in 3A yet, but, you know, I knew that those guys were at the level of the 3A guys that I'd have to beat. And then, um, yeah, that Cascade tournament, there was rumblings all year that, you know, it was going to be a pretty tough bracket. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that things kind of fell into place there. Um, yeah, Wirfs was playing a lot of football that year. He had the Under Armour All-American game, and um, he was probably weighing like 315 for that game. And, you know, I think he circled it on his calendar, too. He cut all the way down the week of. And, you know, I think Brinkman was circling on his calendar, too. Um, you know, that was kind of a pride day. Um, I I kind of knew all three of us were probably going to have a shot to win it. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be the champ in 3A, you got to kind of defend the territory and fend off the lower classes. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, looking at that bracket just across the board, I mean, there was five guys in that bracket who all were medalists, you know, well, medalists are state qualifiers. I, I at least kind of, there was at least five state qualifiers in that bracket that year alone, but yeah, to come through that tournament, you know, that was definitely a dogfight. But one thing that came out of that tournament more than anything was the picture. Yeah, the picture. The infamous picture. Uh, I'll be posted on social media. I mean, I think it's been on social media enough. Yep. It's it highlighted on the NFL draft. 
of Trist, or Tristan Wirf and you wrestling. You are what are you? A five ten? Yeah, five ten. Tristan's all of six seven. Yeah, he's a big boy, and it it looks like a you know a man wrestling a boy, but the boy got the win that day. You know, and if you think about it, that year you beat two guys that are in the NFL. You beat Tristan Wirfs, who's playing for Tampa Bay, and you're also you also beat Tyler Lindenbaum, who's now playing for Baltimore. Yep. If you think about that, like that's pretty crazy to think that in your high school career you wrestled two guys that are you know, Tristan Wirf is probably going to be a Hall of Fame lineman at some point in his career, I believe. Lindenbaum has is having a great career so far. So your your high school career was not an easy walk by any means. You had to earn every step you had. So when you think about those matches, you know, are those matches you look back on with a big sense of pride, or is that just like, oh, it was just another match? Um, I mean, I think I knew at the time their capabilities in football. And, you know, I think I, I knew in the back of my head that, um, you know, they in the future probably looked better than in the moment. But, um, you know, it was kind of just a one match at a time thing. Um, you know, Linderbaum, I was a year or two older then, and, you know, he was just kind of coming into his wrestling when I was wrestling him. Um, but Worf's, yeah, I mean, those were always big matches. Um, more so in the fact that there was just a lot of eyes on him. Um, you know, obviously he committed to Iowa pretty on, pretty early on, and, you know, he was the hometown kid. And, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was exciting every time I wrestled him and I developed a friendship with him. And, you know, I'd wrestled him when I was a kid, just he was the biggest kid there. And, you know, it's kind of all these rivalries I had, uh, you know, we kind of grew up in the sport and, you know, at heavyweight people don't change weight classes. So um, it's always nice knowing you're going to see guys like that at future tournaments. And, you know, those friendships have carried on through, through wrestling and into our adult lives. Absolutely. So then you moved on to Iowa, you know, you go to, you go, you redshirt your freshman year, had a pretty solid freshman or redshirt freshman year, won a couple tournaments. Sam Stahl was still the heavyweight at the time. You know, you were planning on being the backup. Well, an incident happened that summer where Sam couldn't compete, and all of a sudden you become the guy. What, to the people that are listening, what is the feeling of, like, putting on a black and gold singlet, running out of Carver? Yeah, I mean, you dream about it your whole life. And, you know, before I stepped foot on Iowa's campus, um, you know, I envisioned that. And, you know, you go to the dual meets and you watch it. And um, if you're going to go there, you got to be ready to – you know, get thrown in trial by fire. And, um, you know, I, I took a lot of bumps my fresh red shirt freshman year and, you know, I learned a lot and, um, you know, that incident happened pretty early on in the summer. And, um, you know, through that preseason, I kind of knew, um, you know, I think I can hang in there with a lot of guys in the country and, you know, it kind of, it kind of lit me pretty early on that, um, you know, if you get that spot, you got to do everything you can to make them drag you off the mat and let him wrestle. So, so, which brings me to the, the actual um, meat of the Sam Stahl story. It's Iowa, Iowa State. It's coming down to last, one of the last matches. They started at 141, I believe, or 33, I believe, yep. at, uh, this, that year. And you were going to be wrestling Gannon. I mean, you couldn't write a better story if you think about yep. it. But then all of a sudden, talk about what happened. Like, Sam all of a sudden decides, nope, I'm going – Talk about that moment because no one really talks about it, right? And no one really knows the whole story. I want to hear from your perspective what all happened in the tunnel there. Yeah, so I mean, I think everybody knew, um, you know, early on in the week that Iowa State's coming for us. 
um, you know, Dresser had taken over the program and, um, you know, he was really doing the right things, recruiting the right kids. Um, he cleaned a lot of that culture up and, you know, the rivalry that wasn't for the past decade, um, you know, suddenly turned into a rivalry and, you know, there was chatter all week that they're really coming and, you know, I expected to be the guy all week. Um, you know, I, you do media at that level. Um, you know, I was taking interviews and, you know, doing it like I was the guy and, um, you know, I would have figured that they'd start at 25, uh, like they do in most duels. And, you know, I was kind of telling myself all week, um, you know, I got to beat Gannon to win the Cyhawk. And, you know, it kind of, it would have came down to that. And, um, you know, but Sam Stoll being a fifth year guy, I mean, they would have had to lock him up and chain him down to not get him out there. Uh, at the start of the meet, I don't think he thought he was going. Um, you know, he weighed in and was kind of nonchalant. And um, I think, Everybody kind of assumed he wasn't going. He was still dealing with some health stuff. And, um, you know, I was fully prepared to take the mat. And, you know, the way it ended up, it was best for the team. And, um, you know, I feel confident that I could have plugged the hole there and done the job. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was his call. And he took it and he ran with it. Okay. Yeah. And the thing was, though, too, was like right behind you was Anthony Cassiope, current you know, current heavyweight for Iowa, U23 world medalist. You know, you've been wrestling him all throughout high school too. All of a sudden, he becomes the guy. And I'm going to go into the weeds here a little bit. And this question I'm going to ask, man, it's nothing personal, but it's it's a, I think it's a great question to ask. The loud, I always said the loudest whisper in Dubuque County was, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave Iowa? Because, you know, 39-2 at Iowa, or 12 at Iowa, could translate to a national title in D3, you know, realistically. What what was the reason that you never left? Like, you had, you probably had the opportunity multiple times to go transfer to a D3 school, like a lot of guys do when they're not the guy. You know, that starts to become the thing, especially in today's world, and especially not the transfer portal of, oh, hey, I'm not the guy, I'm going to go somewhere else. What caused you to stay at Iowa? Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the day I send, signed the national letter of intent, um, you know, I was pledging myself to the cause for five years. And, um, you know, once you get in that program and they start ingraining stuff in your brain, like how to be a man, you know, how to be a student um, and just the wrestling level there. You know, I had always felt throughout my time that, um, you know, I was a heartbeat away from the presidency. Um, you know, God forbid somebody goes down with an injury. You know, I felt I was so plugged into the program there and, you know, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, just the values I learned in that program and, you know, the mentorship you get from those coaches is like none other. Um, you know, no disrespect to anybody that leaves. Um, I think the transfer portal is a great thing. And I think a lot of guys are really utilizing it, um, but it just wasn't for me. Um, I always looked at it as, you know, I was there. I was there as a soldier in the cause. And, you know, it had been a lot of years, had been a decade since I won its last team title. And, you know, the class I was brought in with, with Jacob Warner, Max Muir, and Spencer Lee, you know, I had a bond with those guys, and we all had the same path, um, you know, to reclaim the national title from Penn State. And, um, you know, I, I feel like even though I wasn't on the mat, I played a large role in that. And, um, yeah, I'm just honored that I had the opportunity, and, you know, I'm glad I stuck it out because I, I don't think I could have gotten to the level of wrestling I did somewhere else. 100%. Great answer. Um, and, and you guys did your, your senior year, you guys won the national title, you know, was it 2021 was your senior year? Yep. Yeah. 
2021 is your senior year. You guys won a national title. I mean, it takes every it takes every cog in the machine to get it running. So I think you were a big part of that. So I'm glad I asked that question just because I feel like there's people out there listening that want to, you know, hear like, oh, I could have been, I could have been, but no, you made a commitment, you stuck to your commitment. And that's a value that I think a lot of people, you know, could take going into their lives of just, you make commitment to something, you stick to it and you run with it. So what was the biggest thing that you took away from your time at Iowa? Obviously you just talked about it, but you know, what, what was, if you could take one thing away from your time at Iowa, what was it? Yeah, just like you said, the cogs, cogs in a machine, um, you know, producing the ultimate result you want. Um, you know, and I don't want to sound like cog as in robots or, you know, I don't want to sound like when I'm saying they were preaching to us or they were instilling stuff in us that, you know, it was forced down our throats and that you had to be a certain way to be at Iowa because that's kind of the stereotype, right? Everybody takes Iowa and, you know, they think there's a one certain person that, one certain way to do things and that's the only way and that's farthest from the truth um you know a lot of the guys in the iowa program have different you know hobbies interests um different personalities but you know the lifestyle is the biggest thing in iowa um you know you get all 36 guys on the team to buy into the same lifestyle um and you can really build the culture and i i think that's one thing that you know my class really helped with and you know a couple classes before getting kemmer and marinelli and you know, I think it was I think it was six, seven years of building and I'm just glad to be part of that. And, you know, I think just the bond that the teams had and, you know, it, it showed with the COVID years. Um, everybody stuck around and, you know, you you basically they basically had to kick a lot of guys out and say no more because mm-hmm. they would have just kept coming back for more. So, yeah, I really appreciate those memories and, you know, all those guys. For sure, man. So currently, what are you doing now? I am farming with my dad. Okay, yep. where's that located at? We're out in Bernard, Iowa, so it's just south of Dubuque, about twenty minutes. Raising cattle, pigs, yep. the whole nine. Yep, the whole nine. Yeah, so dad, dad, and mom have two um, hog confinement barns, and I'm the overseer and caretaker of those. And then we have a cow calf herd, beef cattle out there, and we do some hay, and you know, a lot of different opportunities there, and really appreciate dad for every crazy idea, you know, he runs with and, you know, he, I think he appreciates uh, the time we get to spend together. And, you know, I really truly believe we're building something. Um, kind of the way my mind works is when I put one thing in the past, I put it in the past and, you know, the next, the next best thing I go grab and, you know, I run with it. Absolutely. So man, uh, and you're also currently coaching at Loris now. Yep. How is, how is your time, on the mats translating to, to coaching athletes. Yeah. Loris is a great opportunity. Um, you know, it's a premier division three wrestling program, um, right here in Dubuque, Iowa. And, you know, I grew up around the program and always had an interest in the program. Um, you know, I was at Iowa and since I trained with a lot of those guys in high school, you know, I followed their careers and, you know, Loris, it's a big culture school. Um, you know, they get the right kids and they're building the right thing. And, you know, Jaron Glosser was my buddy um, and he took the head assistant job in my last year and, you know, unforeseen circumstances happened and he got elevated to the head coach and, you know, just grateful for the opportunity that he'd bring me along and to be one of his assistants. And, you know, Jaron Glosser and Kirk Momsen um, are doing a great job recruiting the right kids. Uh, they're really building something special there. And, you know, I think through the years, you're going to see 
Um, there's those two and the countless other people that give the program, the other coaches and the athletes, you know, really making an impact. And, you know, I think the program is going to rise and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Awesome, man. So just wrapping some things up. Last question. I always ask my, my guess, what was fair pair wrestling shoes you ever owned? Um, I was a big Nike inflict guy in college. I was never, I was never a funky flicker boy or anything. Um, I wore Matt Flex all through high school and, you know, I was in Nike school and inflicts just fit the best. And I could never really, never really fit into those fancy shoes. Um, they never really did it for me. So Nike inflex is, uh, yeah, that's my go-to now. Awesome, man. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you stopping in. Uh, Aaron will be coaching at Loris again this year. So anyone in Dubuque that's curious and wants to stop and talk to him, he'll be more than happy to sit and BS with you. Again, thank you so much for coming in, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. No problem. Hey, we're going to talk to our ads, and we'll get right back to you, okay? Just wrapping things up here with Aaron. Great podcast, great interview, great kid. Um, I've gotten to be able to know Aaron since he was a little boy, and to see the man that he became you know, is absolutely awesome. You know, we had we had a great conversation. I think you you definitely hear about a guy who went all in on himself, and I think it still paid off. You know, people a lot of people did say, you know, why didn't you leave or why didn't you, you know, transfer to a D three school when you weren't going to be the guy? And I think Aaron did a great job answering that question. I think, you know, he said it best. You know, he, when he signed his commitment, he was going to be an Iowa Hawkeye for five years. And then on top of it, you know, he was always an injury away from being the starting guy. And it did happen. Like, there was times where he had to get pulled in the lineup because of an injury. And he took advantage of those situations. And that's all you can do. And, you know, and if, God forbid, a season-ending injury happens to the starter and he's the guy, you got to make, you know, every advantage possible to get what you want out of it and become, you know, the guy. And to get Chase after an All American and National Championship. So I was really glad that we were able to discuss that with him. Aaron is currently farming for Costello Farms. They do have an Instagram page. So if you want to give them a follow at Costello Farms, I believe it is. They are just a startup farm. And it's really cool to see through social media, you know, just a day to day operation. I think Aaron's doing a really good job with their social media as well. Wrapping things up here. Uh, you guys may have noticed on my social media that I uh, have gotten some new merch available. Uh, it's just kind of limited quality stuff, or limited quantities. We have 83 stickers left. We have nine t-shirts that uh, I have available. And then four hats are still left as well. The shirts and the hats are 20 apiece. The stickers are five each. Um, if you need me to mail out something to you, like a hat or a t-shirt, you know, throw five bucks to the t-shirts and the hats or something like that. And then I will get that shipped out to you. Usually, uh, the day of or day after, um, you guys place the order. I tend to get those out pretty dang quick. So thank you guys again for supporting. I am going to do these, this merch in you know, limited quantities. Like I said, I don't really want to get too far into it and invest a lot of money into a lot of shirts and, uh, end up with a big box full of them. So if, if we sell them out, then I will always, or I'll buy more and see if there's interest in getting more. So 
If you guys are interested, give me a follow at WormsWan on Instagram. Also give the Dubuque Area Sports Podcast a follow on Instagram and on Facebook. There you can see all of our content from all the different uh, podcasts as well. So thanks for joining me. Thanks to Aaron. I appreciate everything, guys. This is Worm. I got my one. I'm out. Before we go, I just want to take a big shout out again to Raider Outdoor Power. Whether you're looking for mowers, snowblowers, garden tractors, or UTVs, the great people at Raider Outdoor Power will have you covered. Stop in at 2580 Rockdale Road, and one of their great sales staff will get you set up with some of the best equipment and top-of-the-line service you can expect from a company who has helped the Dubuque County area since 1957. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring the podcast. Also want to give one last big shout-out to Lane's Custom Steel in Benton, Wisconsin. Email Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's lanes, L-A-N-E-Z, custom steel at gmail.com. He'll set you up with a quote for all your custom power coding needs.